and welcome to a special edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. My name is Andy Warren and I'm here to bring you a chat that I've had recently with um, one of the newest football managers in Suffolk, Luke Hyam. Uh, he's the new manager of Woodbridge Town. Um, of course, we all know him as the former former town midfielder, combative, loves to tackle, part of that side that made the 2014-15 playoffs. But sadly, injuries and most, most latterly a back injury ultimately meant he had to retire at the end of uh, the 2019-20 season. Um, he's got a new life after football, and part of that is managing in Suffolk non-league circles, and he's going to be taking over at Woodbridge for next season. So it was great to talk to Luke about that, about going into management, what his style is going to be, things like that, about how he's had to deal with retirement, what life looks like for him now, and then also a look back at some of the managers he's worked under, players he's played with, and times he had during his uh, time on the pitch with the Blues, where he lived out so many people's dreams. He's an Ipswich boy, grew up in a family of town fans, and went on to make nearly 150 appearances for his hometown club. There's plenty to get into here, um, so we'll chuck it over to uh, to me and Luke. Okay, here with former Ipswich Town midfielder Luke Hyam. Luke, we both got sort of football shirts hanging up in this room, in the rooms that we're in, for those watching on video. The only difference is one of us has made a lot of professional football appearances and one of us has made has made zero. Um, I'll let I'll let the listeners work out which one that is. Um, but how are you doing? How are you doing this morning? Thanks for joining us. Uh, no, thanks for having me, Andy. Now I'm all good, thanks, mate. How are you, yourself? Yeah, not bad at all. Is this is this kind of like your your football kind of memories room that you're sat in at the moment? There's a shirt from what's that, sixteen seventeen season, and then a nice picture of you uh, in action up on the wall as well. And is that the man of the match trophy from Wigan that's on your mantelpiece as well? Purposely in there, just just let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all on my memorabilia, little bits and pieces. So me and Mrs. We moved house like a couple of years ago, and then renovated uh, the whole house, and then I made like a little games room slash snug, and then obviously football bits and pieces. So yeah, it's quite nice to have. Nice. Do you spend much time in there having a look at this this kind of thing, or is it just have a little glance when you're on your way way through that kind of thing? Um, yeah, so obviously if I'm playing like Call of Duty with my friends, um, this is where I go. So um, yeah, obviously it's nice to obviously have it on the walls and around the house. Obviously maybe missus don't want to see it all the time, so I obviously have it in one room. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice to like have it tucked away, but obviously if I want to have a look at bits and pieces, it's nice to do so as well. Nice. Well, we'll crack on to a, a, some some moments from your Ipswich career and everything else a, a little bit later. But um, Luke, you're you're someone that I've wanted to have a, a chat with and a, a catch up with for a while now. It's been it's been a year since you you had to hang up hang up your boots, sadly. And, and this week, I was kind of pushed prompted to to do it because sort of out of the blue earlier this week, popping up in the middle of the day. I think it was on on Monday potentially. Um, you you've got your first job as a football manager. Um, you're from the summer onwards. You're, you're going to be fully taking charge of Woodbridge, Woodbridge Town local non-league team. Um, Luke Hyam, football manager. Did you see? Did you see that one coming before? Before this all started to snowball? Um, not really, to be honest. Um, I've said it before to um, other people I've spoken to. Because um, I'm going in with Billy Clark. Um, me, Billy, and Seb grew up through the academy, through the youth team, um, and we're always kind of like had that half eye on it in terms of like going into local because obviously we're all local lads we're all best friends we've always said about potentially maybe one day just 
becoming like a local fo- um, football league manager. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just one thing after another. I saw on Twitter that um, Woodbridge had parted company with their manager. Billy's still playing for, or he's on the books as a player at the moment, but he's injured, unfortunately. And I kind of just said to him, I was like, oh, should we just put our names in the hat and just see what happens? Um, Billy obviously spoke to a couple of uh, people at Woodbridge and then, yeah, put me forward to uh, David and Adam, the chairman. And we had a couple of conversations, just kind of, I just wanted to know what what sort of uh, role it was, what it entailed, because I didn't want to be too much, because obviously being a professional football manager, that involves a lot. And me and my missus just had a little one as well. So first and foremost, like anyone, family comes first. I didn't want it to kind of, take over my life so obviously speaking to them just seeing what their aspirations are for the club what they want to do moving forward it just it just felt right and I wanted to go in there and I want to enjoy it first and foremost and I said I want the players to enjoy it and it's had like a really good family feel about the club um I've met a few people at the club now as well and everyone seems so nice and even like the facilities comparing them to like other teams locally I think it's like chalk and cheese like they've just got it in terms of doing things right on the pitch first and foremost but I think you need the fundamentals off the pitch and that's what they've got and yeah I just thought obviously speaking to them that they're more than happy to have me and Billy on board which was great and um, it was a great opportunity for me and Billy to to give it a go and um, implement what we want it and what style of football we like um, onto Woodbridge and it kind of just made the right fit and yeah like me and Billy yeah, um, obviously in constant dialogue in terms of like what we want to do moving forwards um, so yeah it's just kind of giving it a go and sometimes you've got to just put yourself out there and and give these things a go and, and just see what happens so yeah um, we're going to give it our all and yeah can't wait for, for the new season to come. Mm. Sounds exciting. Just just for a bit of clarity, when you say Billy Clark, this isn't the uh, the Irish Billy, the Irish Billy <laughs> no. Clark, is it? It's, it's the the Billy Clark with no e on the end that yeah, also ca- also came through the Ipswich Academy. But that must be good to be able to do this with your sort of almost childhood friends, really, to be able to to have a crack at this with with people that you know so well and have, have clearly talked about doing something like this for so long. Yeah, I've known Billy from the age of eight, nine, and. We've grown up through the academy into the youth team, and then Billy obviously went on to make a few appearances for the first team as well. And then he's made a career for himself in the non um, non non league stage as well. So it's nice that I'm not just going in there because I don't my knowledge of the non leagues not as good as what Billy's will be, and I'm going in with um, Glenn uh, Snelly as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so using their experience of the non league would be invaluable for me personally. So. We'll kind of like bounce off each other, which I think will be will be perfect going forward. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 I think it will be a great experience for both of us, and um, we're really um, excited uh, going forward. Mm. Have any of your old old teammates kind of reached out to you? Obviously, I know you, I'm sure there are plenty of them that you speak to a lot. I know you and Tommy Smith are, are close, but um, any old teammates kind of reached out to you after seeing you uh, seeing you take these steps? Yeah, a few just saying all the best and good luck with it, um, with the challenge. And yeah, obviously Tommy's like one of my best friends, and he literally lives right, right around the corner from me. So yeah, we can't get uh, away from each other sometimes. And <laughs> my missus are, are like best friends as well. So um, yeah, obviously I spoke to him about it, and 
I told him a couple of months ago um, that I was talking to him and um, yeah, he was very complimentary and just obviously wishing me all the best as well. Yeah, we we heard for for years about about Luke Chambers, Cole Skews. They were always talking about going into management once they were done playing. I can't, can't believe you've beaten them to it, mate. You were you've uh, <laughs> you've be, you've beat you've beaten them. I felt sure they would be the first to have a go at this. Yeah, no, I did, I did as well. To be honest, like um, every player, who's especially played with uh, Chamber, he's just got that sort of mentality and that sort of personality to become a manager. And then with Scusi alongside him, it just it would be a match made in heaven in terms of Chamber being manager and Scusi being the assistant. Um, if that happens in in the future, I don't know, but um, you know, say you never know what's going to happen mm. in the future. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah. Them eventually go into it. So what kind of what kind of manager are you are you going to be? Um I guess obviously non league is, is is at this level that you're going into is very different to sort of the cut and thrust of the professional game. But what, what kind of manager do you think you'll be and what what sort of attributes do you think you bring that could could help you in Woodbridge? Um funny enough, like as much as I as a player, um being a, a bit of a Hothead, maybe not is not is not the right word to use, but in terms of how I'd bring a lot of energy, I'd be very crash bang wallop. Um, I'd like to kind of go away from that and to kind of I want to be like a, a calming manager. I think, especially in the professional game, I think the game just evolves all the time, and then days of managers screaming, shouting at the players. I think it, it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. Um, I think. Every player has to be dealt with differently. Um, so I kind of just say, obviously, it's completely different in terms of the levels of professional and non-league. So it's just different ways to kind of manage it. And I've said that I want to go in there. I I want the players to enjoy it as much as possible because I want to enjoy it. And I just think, like any job, if you don't enjoy it, then it's kind of a recipe for disaster, really. So the, the, that's the fundamentals of this is to enjoy it and that's how, that's how what I'm going to bring and I, obviously I want it to be as professional as possible but I understand that people will have full-time jobs they're going to have other commitments alongside football so you kind of got to juggle the the, um, the two as well so you've got to kind of be lenient in terms of being professional as well um, and it's, it's, I think management is all about man management and, how, and your people skills so you just got to talk to your players, and then everything else kind of is, is like a, a kind of a bonus in terms of your how you put things across to the players, and like what sort of style of play you want to, um, to play. And obviously, when you're playing non-league, you're not it's not your livelihood in terms of you're not training Monday, Tuesday. You might have obviously the Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday. You've got all that preparation to a Saturday game, whereas obviously non-league. You're training what once once a week effectively because mm. you're playing on the Saturday. You more often not got a game on the Tuesday, so sometimes you might even not even train. So you want players to go there to feel like they're looking forward to going to football. They're looking forward to meeting up with the lads and kind of just making that. And like team spirit is massive. I think team spirit will get you so far. Obviously, you need that little bit of magic from players and you need that talent and quality but I think team spirit is is key so that's what I, that's how I'd feel like I want to go and mm. I think 
in terms of like going, it's never really kind of appealed to me in terms of going into coaching or management into a professional, like because I just know the pressures that will come along with it. And that's why, and obviously retiring is taking my, myself away from football to then kind of enjoy football again. So this is what I want to kind of do. That's what I've always said about doing non-league. And ideally, I, I did want to play local football and non-league football at the back end of my career. Unfortunately, I couldn't do it. So this gives me an opportunity to do it and um, to get back mm. in as well. You've worked for some managers, obviously, um, as a player, Roy Keane, Paul Jewell, Mick McCarthy and, and Sol Campbell at South End. You were there at the same time as yeah. them, weren't you? So you've yeah. got plenty of kind of pretty big names there to kind of, yeah. again, it's non-league football, it's very different, but there's there's plenty of kind of knowledge that you've managed to pick up along along your your long career um just about about how to how to treat people I guess I guess they'll have all have treated people very differently yeah like exactly that like I'll go with Mick McCarthy like best manager I've 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 had by far in terms of just because he's man management skills like he was just a first and foremost him and Terry Connor were just top top people and human beings which I think in in life in general, that's all, that's all you can kind of ask for. And that's how I feel like, how I'd want to come across. Like, I've always said that I would, I'd want to go away from Luke Heim, the footballer. I'd, I'd rather, I just want to be called Luke or Luke Heim, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want, don't want people to kind of associate with themselves with that because there is other things to football. And I think being like a top bloke or a nice human being is a lot more important than, just being like a footballer, I say. So, yeah, and I think Mick was was like top class in terms of that, and I think a lot of players would 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 agree with it. And I think it always I always said that it shows the sign of a really good manager when because it's hard because obviously you've got eleven you got eleven players who are going to start on a Saturday, and you've got say another eleven players who are not playing, but you'd never have. 11 play- the other 11 players kind of moaning because you'd always have one or two kind of grumbling in the background. But you, I've, my time with um, Mick at Ipswich, you never really got that. And I just think that that shows signs of a very good manager. Yeah, I, I, sort of flashing back, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some more points of your career at, a little bit later on, but kind of flashing back there, the way that sort of your squads under Mick were painted were being Mick, Mick always signed good characters. We we know that he, he built good squads of, of good, good people. Fundamentally that, that is quite different to potentially the dressing room that he inherited, isn't it? It was a bit at that point, things had become a little bit scrappy, maybe at Ipswich with people, people on loan, people on short-term contracts, patching squads together. Um, Mick really did have have an impact in that sense, didn't he? Kind of just bringing good guys in and and, and building a, a squad of good people fundamentally. Yeah, I think as soon as he came in, he kind of he said it in his first meeting that um, he he doesn't mind people making mistakes because everyone's going to make a mistake, um, and obviously people don't mean to make mistakes, so you can't you can't complain at people for doing that. But what he can you can moan or complain about is if people are not given 110 percent effort and I, I completely agree with it and obviously that's what he said from from day one as long as you give me 110 percent effort every single day then then that's a bit of me and that's what I think then he obviously got rid of the players who he didn't feel like he was giving them that effort and then obviously 
going forward, he'd always look at people's personalities, people's characters before bringing them in because when you've got a bit, when you've got a squad and you're, you're seeing each other every single day, if it only takes one or two kind of bad apples, which can like disturb the whole dynamics of the group. So before he looked at in terms of their talent or how good they would they would be in terms of on the on the pit, football pitch, he'd he'd look in terms of their personality off the pitch before he would kind of give his opinion on the pitch. And yeah, I think I completely agree. And I think going back to team spirit and team morale is so important, especially in this day and age. Mm. So you're you're getting cracking with this like properly from the summer. Is that when when you're you're really really taking over? But I know you you've been to a down to a few games. I'm sure you'll spend plenty of time around the club before you you fully take control of of the of the first team. Yeah, um, yeah. So me and Billy have um, watched a few games now, um, and yeah, we'll take we'll take charge from like June, July onwards for obviously pre-season and uh, yeah, kind of crack on from there. Mm. So it gives us some time just to kind of put some plans going forward. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, it's nice to obviously have that little bit of a break. I know that I think they're like mid-table at the moment. They've got eight games left. They're kind of in that, that limbo stage where they're not going to go up. They're not going to go uh, down. So it's hard because you've been. I think every player's been there. You, you start, maybe this is a bit too early, but you, there's the last few games of the season. You're not really doing anything. You're kind of in that holiday mode. Um so yeah, it's it's challenging. I've said to him that just to kind of give it your all as as, as best as you can towards the end of the season, um, and it gives you yeah, me me and Billy some time to uh, plan ahead and uh, put our points across mm. for the new season. Who's that trying to get into the room? Is that your dog? That is my little sausage dog. Yeah, well, but he's very loud and barky. Well, so what, what's he called? He's called Hugo. Hugo, nice. Well, well, you probably won't see him, but there is a there is a cat sat behind me, un- behind that blanket. He sits there all day, every day. My cat, he might he might emerge at some point and jump up on the desk, but uh, that's that's animals for you. Um, so ov- obviously the reason you're 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 doing this at the age of thirty is be- is because you've you've had to retire, sadly. Um, and we're coming up to a a year now since you since you announced that. How how has that how has that been for you that that year of being away from football? I can imagine there's been some tough moments in there, maybe some moments where you felt free, maybe of the football. Um, it must have been a, a strange old, strange old time for you. Yeah, I think you've literally hit the nail on the head there in terms of you kind of like in terms of being free. But yeah, it's it's definitely tough because I've done football all my life and. It's hard when you say you're in a routine. I'm sure every single footballer who does uh, retire or, or finishes in some sort of capacity, you kind of do feel a bit lost as that's your identity. But I've always had in the back of my head that obviously football's, <clears throat> football's not going to last forever. And unfortunately, I've had to uh, retire earlier than I'd have liked. Um, but you just got to mentally kind of get your head around it and... Um, just focus on different things and that's what I've kind of done in this last year. So obviously initially it's like, you're tough. You think, Oh my God, like what am I going to do? And cause just cause it kind of come out of the blue and, and bits and pieces. I've had in the back of my head when I was playing football, I wanted to be a personal trainer and obviously I'm, I'm still kind of obviously struggling with my back. So that's one thing I couldn't do. So then that was another thing on top of 
not being able to play football, that the thing I wanted to do after football, I couldn't do as well. So it's kind of then reevaluating everything. Um, and yeah, I've just I think mainly it's, it's, it's keeping that routine. And I've, I've seen players like speak um, about retiring before and and even now, and it's just like keeping a routine for your own mental um, capacity as well, which is so key. And for the last six months, I've just been working as a youth support worker at a children's home in Berry, which is which has been great because I've always said I wanted to try something completely different away from football because football is such a small bubble and such a small community. You do get wrapped up in that world. And to kind of then take yourself away from that experience and just kind of go out into like the real world, real world, as we say, um, and try something completely different, which has been such a really good experience for myself and just completely going away from football. But then the same way you look at it and think, like you alluded to at the start, you kind of do feel free and that pressure is completely gone. So it, it's, it's strange because I think whatever happens in your football career, you realise that there's a lot of pressures on football. And, and I think, imagine I couldn't imagine playing for like the, the big boys in terms of, the Manchester clubs, Chelsea, Arsenal, and then playing for England, the pressures is like incredible. So kind of coming away from it and then just having that time to relax and realise that you don't have that pressures. I don't have that pressures of playing on the Saturday and performing. You so you are, you do kind of you do focus your whole life does go into football, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, even when you go home and you just think and call, take a little bit of a breather and you kind of just enjoy the other aspects and yeah, it puts, everything puts into perspective and then me and my missus have had a little one and it makes me think that I, w- I wished I had him sooner just because it puts life as a perspective that there is obviously important, more important things than football and you say your family always comes first. So mm. yeah, it's obviously challenging times, but at the same time, it's nice to try new things and it gives you that opportunity to to try new things yeah has, has it taken you a while to get to that point you do seem in a really good place with it all um but did it did it take you a while to get to a point of feeling kind of positive about about it all because I can fully see that when you've put your entire life 20 years or so into becoming a professional footballer and then the decision to end that is not your own um taken away from you I can see that that might be incredibly difficult I'll be I'll be honest I like even in the, the silly job that I do where I ask people like you questions about their daily work which I'm sure you hated during your time as a football player uh, like in in some ways you work so hard at something to get somewhere that it becomes your identity doesn't it I feel like that about my job and I worry what might happen a little bit if if I don't do this job anymore so I can imagine same yeah. same for a football player yeah, absolutely. I think everyone has different um, circumstances and situations like yourself as well. So it is, it is so important, I think, not to... And I, Ben Foster alluded to it as well. I, I saw a video he put out and he said that just giving uh, young players advice about obviously growing up and saying... Because obviously mental health is a massive, massive thing and I'm a massive advocate for it. Um, I've had my struggles while playing and then you obviously have a little bit after playing as well so like every, anyone so he's kind of and he said about young players not um, focusing too much energy and I know this it is, it is your job but at the same time football it does wrap you up in terms of your whole life and it does affect everything 
when even when you go home. So if you have a bad game, if you lose, then it affects you when you go home. And obviously I had my injuries as well. So that 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 effectively massively off the pitch. And I was just so lucky that I had always had friends and family around me all the time because I couldn't imagine if I was up north and I had these injuries and I'd had my all my friends and my family were down down south and I was from you just it, I couldn't imagine some players kind of going through that and it is tough so and he just said about players just not putting too much energy into football and having hobbies and interests other than football so obviously when you go home you can kind of take your mind off it as well um but yeah, it's a, it's, it's challenging times, and obviously, I think I don't know what the um, the stats are in terms of um, players retiring and obviously struggling mentally. But something kind of needs to be done, or people need to speak about it maybe a little bit more. See, Crystal Palace are doing this three-year yeah. program after, and I think it's fantastic that they're doing something like that because. I've always said, like, if I did to go into football, um, back into, like, the professional game, I think I'd like to do, if if that was available, I think I'd rather be, like, a, a mentor for, like, academy players or players in terms of what to expect. Because, obviously, as an outsider looking in, you think it's it's unbelievable. And it is it is literally the best job in the world. But then it can be the worst when you, you do go through it's a cliche it's such a roller coaster and you do go through lots of highs but you can go through a lot of lows and it's kind of then trying to adapt to those lows and trying to keep a balanced kind of personality with it all and kind of just adapting to it as best as you can so yeah it's just I think sometimes I know I think it's definitely improving but I think things need to be helped more and I think obviously um young footballers growing up i think it's just only getting harder and harder with mm. media and, and bits and pieces on top of that yeah i was going to mention the crystal palace program actually for people that haven't seen that it's kind of a three-year post mainly right aimed at the like academy level isn't it like post for, for yeah. and I, I suppose it must help sort of older pros as well but thousands of young footballers get released um having given their lives to try and become a footballer and then there's not a not there's not a lot there for them like in terms of support afterwards, is there? So is it just stuff in terms of, do you think in terms of filling what what football was, like routine, training every day, you know what you're doing, hanging around with, you know, a group of like-minded people in general? Because I've always quite admired, like being, being quite envious of your, of your kind of workplace as a footballer that you get to go in and, and generally you all get on pretty well. You all love football, clearly. And it, it must when things are going well, it must be a great place to work. But when you're not, when you're suddenly one day gone out of that, that must be hard. Yeah, and I think that was the thing what I found most difficult um, in terms of playing. I don't think that's something I've actually missed too much. Is it is more the the day to day element of having that routine and just being in amongst the lads. I think because that environment and that. That banter, I think you you'll never replicate it in any sort of job you do or any sort of life of work or so that's also why I also wanted to get back into football to kind of get that enjoyment of being around and the camaraderie. Also, yeah, that that's like the the one thing I definitely miss about it, and I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll be surprised if there's one player who has retired and they said they haven't missed anything about football. So. 
yeah, so it's, it's what well, it was my livelihood for however many years. So you're going to miss it. I think like anyone, if, if someone was in a job for 15, 20 years, regardless if they kind of didn't enjoy it on the whole, there's going to be some sort of aspects they're going to miss of it as well. Yeah. And you, you've spoken about kind of trying to refine your love of the game a little bit. I can see that it's it's very easy for the game to to, to not be something you love anymore when it's kind of dealt you a bad hand at, at the end. But have you have you managed to do that? Obviously, you've been away from football for 18 months or so since you left Southend. I, I know we've bumped into each other a couple of times. You've done some radio stuff with Brenna Woolley at BBC Suffolk. Have you managed to find a bit of love for, for football again? Are you watching games, that kind of thing? Clearly, clearly you must have done to an extent because you're, you're going back in at Woodbridge. Yeah, um, yeah no, I have. To, like, um, when I finished, I was like, because oh. by the time, say, the, the last couple of years, it's like, I just really didn't really even want to watch football. Like, it just kind of just wanted to get away from it completely. And then obviously stop playing. And then I just had like a few months break from it all. And then you start watching football again. And then um, I've been really fortunate that um, Brenner's invited me to do some of the radio, which I really enjoyed. And that's kind of, yeah, like I just seen a different light in terms of like uh, going over to obviously your kind of line of work in terms of seeing the other side of it all, which is which is quite um, interesting as well. And just watching the games and, yeah, just watching, like, I've got, I've got loads of friends in, in non-league as well locally and just watching them. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, just starting to, like, enjoy football again and just mm. watching it. Um, and then hopefully, yeah, then obviously um, going into Woodbridge, it will be a great experience and I, I really do. I hope I, I enjoy it as well. I think Brenner's going to be disappointed. He was hoping you could maybe do a few more games to him, but if you're if you're in the dugout now on a Saturday, you're not going to be uh, you're not going to be available anymore. Um, no, I'd say I'd, I'd try. I'd, I'd definitely say if if I, if I can do it, I'll, I'll definitely want to do it because I say I really enjoyed it and it's been a really good experience. Um, I've done a handful of games with Brenner, and I think Brenner's really good at his his job, and he's obviously done it for a number of years. So. Um, um, yeah, I'd love to keep keep on doing it if, if I can. If, if mm. obviously have me back as well, he'd have. I think he probably would have commentated on every single one of your games for Ipswich Town. I would imagine. Yeah, no, it would. Like, it's a bit surreal because even when I was growing up, I used to listen to the radio and listen to Brennan. Um, yeah, then obviously, then obviously, them playing and then obviously meeting him was kind of yeah. It's a bit a bit weird because obviously when you see when you hear someone's voice on the radio and then you see him in person, mm. you know. It never, it never seems. To be. But no, I think he's. I think he's been really, really good for um, mm. a number of years, and yeah, he's done a really good job. But yeah, no, I've, I have really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, he's a he's a great guy. Um, is is, is your back uh, sort of something that means you, that you won't be putting the boots on for Woodbridge or anything? Is that is that something that can't really happen? No, unfortunately not. That's that's like definitely no go. So yeah, if if I like I've said to, if. That's what I wanted to do is play back into my career was to play um, local football. Um, if I could, I would, but um, no, that's just no go. And then you kind of, when you have a family, you kind of, you, everything else gets kind of pushed aside to a certain extent. And obviously family comes first. And mm. uh, yeah, I just want to spend as much time with with the family as, as, as possible as well, which is, is really nice, really nice as well. Mm, those those kids grow up quickly I can tell you I've got a, a near, nearly four year old now you need your you need your back in a decent place to be lifting yeah. them up so how old how old is yours he's uh four months now so okay pretty light at the moment 
Yeah, he's pretty light, but you can definitely tell he's starting to get heavier now. Um, <laughs> and we've got obviously got a little sausage dog as well, and we we basically treat him like a baby. So um, <laughs> we've got two children effectively. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, obviously injury cut cut the career short. You had its periods during your career as well, but you you must look back at what you've what you've done in football with an awful lot of pride. I've, you've got 146 games for Ipswich Town. You're an Ipswich boy, Northgate, Northgate boy, um, family of Ipswich fans, Ipswich fan yourself. You must be so proud of, of, of everything that you, that you were able to do. Yeah, exactly that. I think as, as unfortunate it was, I had to retire early. Um, but kind of, you've got to look back and think of that. You've got to look back and think of the positive things and, to be able to play for your, your boyhood club and play for a, a number of years, I literally, I, I can't complain effectively because I'm so, I, I do think I'm so lucky that I could, I could do that. And there isn't many players to say they've, they've played for their, their boyhood club, but to play nearly 150 games as well for them. Like, yeah, I, I do feel so, so lucky that I could achieve that. And obviously having, uh, friends and family around me as well, and who, who support Ipswich and and everything that goes along with it. So, yeah, you just got to look at the positives. And like, I enjoyed my my whole career at Ipswich. Um, so, on the whole, as as long as as, as much as I couldn't have played an extra few years, I think some players might have said uh, if I could play for my um, the team I supported as growing up and playing. A, a, a few years less, I think sometimes players might have taken that. So you've got to say, you've got to look at the positives, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'd, I'd include myself in this. Plenty of people listening or watching or even reading this uh, this chat with you now will have had the same dream that you had. Um, some of us would have got absolutely nowhere near that. But but so many people dream, uh, grow up sort of dreaming of what of what you've gone and lived. So um yeah there's every you should be so proud but I was putting together a little list this morning and I think I think if my maths right there are you are the you are the fourth most you know the player that's played the fourth most games having come through Ipswich Town's academy sort of for for the first team. Do you any idea who the, the three above you might be who have played more times for Ipswich than you after coming through Tommy. the academy? Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's he's number 1. Um, uh, Owen Garvin. Yep, he's number two. Cool. You're um, going to nail this. You just need number I've three done, now. I've done well so far. Yeah. Um, Matt Richards. You've nailed it. Unbelievable. No yep. Tommy Smith, <laughs> Owen Garvin, Matt Richards, Luke Hyam. That's cool. uh, that yeah. for an academy like Ipswich, though. That's obviously such a um that's obviously since it became an academy there's obviously young players have come through before then Richard Wright people like that James Skokoff but since the academy officially opened you played more games than Darren Bent did for Ipswich obviously more than, than Darren Ambrose um there's some people creeping up that list now like Luke Wolfenden is is slowly slowly creeping up that list but um that's quite an achievement isn't it for, for an academy boy to come through and, and be so near the top of that list yeah definitely and say Proud moment for myself and my family, obviously, when I, um, I made my debut for Ipswich. So, yeah, so obviously I'm, I'm very lucky and very blessed that I could, I could actually do that and, and fulfil like a, a boyhood dream. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. 
What what was it like being like a, a proper Ipswich boy playing for the first team? I guess at, at the moment, sort of currently, you look at the current team and there's Macaulay Bon in there who scored a few more. He scored a few more goals than than you did. So there's maybe maybe a different focus on on him. Um, but it, there was a period where it was kind of like Bon Bon mania at Ipswich this season with like a young player coming through. But Ipswich fans love watching like one of their own come through, don't they? So what was that what was that like kind of being a true Ipswich boy coming coming in? You must get you must have got stopped all the around town all the time. Friends that you forgot you even had when you were younger suddenly suddenly reappear, that kind of thing. Uh yes, yeah, it is literally an unbelievable feeling. Um and like I say, go back to like it is nothing can recreate that buzz and that feeling, say if you've got fans singing or chanting your name, it's like there is no better feeling than it. So yeah, and I'm sure Macaulay Bond will be exactly the same and he'll be loving every every moment of it and so he should because he went on a great scoring run. Unfortunately, obviously he hasn't scored in a few games, but that's what strikers do sometimes. They, Unfortunately, they're going to have some barren runs as well, but you kind of got to take the rough with the smooth, and and you got to kind of think, well, he's done, he's, what, he's scored what ten games in a row or something like that, and he obviously hadn't scored, and then he went on like a ten game uh, games without scoring. It's just one of those things, but yeah, it's, it's it's incredible feeling, and to be able to achieve what I did there, unfortunately. It would have it would have been really nice if we did get promoted that year. We got into the playoffs, um, but it wasn't meant to be. But at the same time, it was still a great experience that we got there. But um, yeah, oh, I say before you just got to take you got to look back and you got to take the positives. You can't just look at back at everything and think, oh, what if that? What if this? Um, so yeah, you just, you just got to keep moving forward with your life. Mm. Is that the big regret that, that that didn't happen for you in that in that season fourteen fifteen? Because um, I'm I'm sure so many of you would 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 say that it was because um, that would have really been some achievement, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd have been yeah, it'd have been brilliant. I think I think um, Mick didn't even have that much money to spend at the time either, and I think with the championship how it was getting over, especially over the last few years, there's there's so much money in that league now. And I think sometimes you do have to spend a little bit of money to kind of get yourself out of it. Then the times where you kind of just pick up free transfers and then mould a team, it's very, very tough. And Mick managed to get players in, which maybe other managers might not have been able to do. And then, yeah, just made like a really good team spirit. He had the right characters, the right mentality. Um, But yeah, so unfortunately, we just obviously lost to Norwich in the playoffs. it just wasn't meant to be, but it was just one of those things. But um, it was still obviously a great season. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about a few more of those moments in a minute. But do, do you think? Um, do you think being an Ipswich lad made it easier or harder for you? I, I guess there were some times where it was probably a bit of both, wasn't it? Because um, do you get you you obviously get that instant support from the fans when you come into the team, but there are times where it feels like some of the homegrown lads maybe are under the microscope a little bit more than some of the players that that come into the club from elsewhere. Did you did you feel that? Um, yeah, like being obviously an Ipswich Town fan and living in the area a lot all my life. You, I, I think sometimes I maybe put a little bit too much pressure on myself just because I knew how much it meant to me and I knew how much it would obviously mean to friends, family, and obviously fans 
in the area as well. So yeah, it, it is tough. Um, and I think even, I just, I just, yeah, you just, you just want to do your best like week in, week out. And you just know that when you're living in the area, like you kind of get sometimes, especially being Ipswich, it is such a small, mm. small place. You kind of sometimes can't get away from it. If you know what I mean, in terms of just taking yourself out of the situation where if you, obviously if you live just on the, on the border, you kind of then just go out and with your family and just kind of forget about it for, for a day or so. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that just happens in football in general. Though I think fans will always take a liking to certain players, and and then if they move elsewhere, then they might get liked somewhere else or not liked. So it, it's just part and parcel of football, really. Um, but yeah, like I think with um, academy players coming through, the fans will always give that sort of affinity to them um, to a certain extent, especially for their first season mm-hmm. or so. Then once you establish yourself, then you got to say, yeah, no, you're you're a senior football, footballer now for this club, and you've got to kind of start performing and putting better performances in um, on and off the pitch as well. Yeah, I'm just going to flash a picture up now, which obviously, if you're if you're listening on the audio version, you won't be able to see. But there's a picture here, Luke. I've got your, I've gone through our our photo archives, and on the left, I found the very first picture we have in our in our photo system of, of you, which is from. 2008 in the academy and then i believe the one on the right is from your last game um yeah. for ipswich um quite a lot happened in those 10 years from 2008 to 2018 didn't it and i imagine you changed an awful lot as a person during that time yeah um and i spoke to someone about it the other day and like kind of football gives you that them experiences for like to, to adapt to things off the pitch as well because there's a lots of things what comes along with being a professional footballer, not just like obviously playing, but like you have duties as well as being a role model or just like speaking to people in the local area or, or like schools or com- uh, businesses. And it kind of gives you that, yeah, them like say them people skills and gives you that bit of confidence, definitely, because I'd say I weren't like the, the most confident person like growing up, but I feel like you keep, it kind of yeah, takes you out of your comfort zone. It's, it brings you out of your shell in terms of having to having to talk to people, having to kind of put yourself out there. Football gives you, especially I think when I was a youth team player, um, you had to do obviously chores off the pitch in terms of clean boots, clean change rooms. I think that's kind of gone now, but it kind of gives you that that toughness mentally as well. Because I had to clean Roy Keane's boots and. Uh, I used to absolutely hate it. Like I used to dread going in mornings and going into these office to clean his boots, and I'd like, I'd clean them every, twice a day, every day. I'd polish them. I'd even wipe um, the polish off his Deodora sign. And then they, they look back and think, "God, that's like so like it's just tough, but especially as a young young boy to do that." But then that made me so mentally more mentally tough going forward into my career. So you you, you obviously have different experiences and lessons as you go up and it kind of molds you into the person you are. Mm. I was going to ask you about Roy Keane. Um, obviously you've cleaned his boots. Um, he was a player. I know that I've, I've, I think I've spoken to you about this or someone has in the past. He's a player. I, I know you were, you, you really looked up to before he came to Ipswich, obviously a Manchester United legend. And then he's also the man that's ultimately given you your professional debut. So, um, Roy Keane is clearly uh, clearly going to be a, a pretty big figure in uh, 
in your career and life really yeah i think any any manager who gives um, a young player their debut i think they'll always have that kind of like sort of liking to maybe just because he 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 gave me my chance um and I can recall it obviously really well in terms of that pre-season. Um, they were looking for a holding midfielder. Um, I obviously played a few. I went, I went, I trained with the first team. I played some um, games in pre-season. I'm sure they were they were looking for a holding midfielder at the time. I don't think they could get one. For, I think they were trying to get Sean Derry. I think he went to QPR. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I thought I'd done pretty well in pre-season, and then just for one way or the other, they couldn't get anyone else in. And then I kind of then got my chance like that. And yeah, obviously we, we beat Middlesbrough away 3-1, done well, and then had a, made a, a number of appearances that season. I thought I'd done pretty well. And it is, it's, it's, it's kind of scary in terms of like them small margins in football kind of makes you or breaks you to a certain extent with, you need that little bit of luck along the way because if they brought someone else in, then I potentially would have got my chance. But obviously, then it then it just changes everything going forward. And I think that's what every player needs is, is just that little bit of luck, as well as obviously talent and their their character, their mentality as well going forward. But yeah, I would say he was a he was a a character. That's for sure. And like, <laughs> your, as your manager at that age, you kind of. Obviously, I didn't know any different. And to have him, you think, God, oh, is this the norm going forward then? And obviously, you realise that he, he, every manager is completely different. But yeah, like I say, you're always always grateful for the managers. Keep mm. Clearly, he's going to be a person that, especially a young central midfielder, but I guess anybody in that squad is going to listen when Roy Keane speaks. But there must have been some some things that, that maybe I'm sure he looks back on it now and I know he does actually having read his book he looks back on his time at Ipswich and thinks that maybe I could have been a bit done things a little bit differently there but how would how would you kind of sum up Roy Keane the the manager both good and bad yeah like I think everyone knows like what a player he was and what character he was and I think coming in obviously done a really good job at Sunderland and then coming in he just I've, I've never experienced it like I think everyone who meets him the, the aura of the man is like incredible. Like you just know if he walks in the room, just like remember we were in the canteen, you just, without even looking up, you'd know he was he walked in or he was already in there. Like it was incredible. Um I think yeah, it just kind of for one way or the other, it just kind of then petered out a little bit towards his end and I think he he, he fell out of a few players and then I think, especially nowadays, I think player power is, is so big, and that's what that's when your your man management and your people skills come into it. Um, and I just think I've said it before: as soon as you kind of lose the dressing room, I think the Ryan's on on the wall. And especially now, I think obviously that was ten ten or so years ago. Um, I think that's kind of like football's always evolving and it's always, mm. it's always changing. So, and I just think. It, Sometimes it's going to happen. Sometimes it's not a good fit, and sometimes the manager might do well somewhere else, and then go to a different club, and it just kind of doesn't happen for one one reason or the other. And that kind of just maybe didn't happen with him at the time. Yeah, 
Yeah, you talk, talk about Roy Keane, man management, losing the dressing room. Um, obviously, the other big figure, we've talked about him a couple of times already, is, is Mick, Mick McCarthy. Um, he never lost the dressing room at Ipswich. He certainly, from, from I don't think I've ever heard any of you, um, either during his time there or, or, or post all of your times being there, um, say anything particularly bad about Mick McCarthy. But, what, but obviously, I'm sure you would have been well aware of how he lost the relationship with the supporters over that time. How, how as a player did that make you feel at that point that obviously someone that you trusted so much and had done so much to you had, had fallen out with the supporters and there were reasons for that. I'm sure you could, you all could see that that, that was a two way street with that. Um, But how did that make you and the squad feel at the time? Yeah, it made it very um, uneasy, I think around the place. And I think I reckon it was what the last, especially the last six months of mm. you kind of you just tell it was just slowly kind of not getting out of hand, but you can just tell that the relationship was just getting a little bit sour, and then obviously towards the end it got really sour, which was really unfortunate because I think I'm I'm sure the majority of Ipswich um, fans would look back and think of what what a good job he actually done, but unfortunately that that last six months, people always think about the, the most recent time they can remember. And I think that's sometimes what they do, but they realise obviously before that he'd done a really good job. And yeah, it was, it was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one really. Um, and obviously he came in and just told everyone that he, he's going to obviously, he's not going to, he's going to be leaving at the end of the season. And yeah, it's it a bit strange because I've never experienced that before. And I'm sure quite a lot of players wouldn't have experienced it where, Everyone really liked the manager, not just the players, but just everyone around the whole club. Like we had like a couple of staff members cry because he was leaving, and like you think that's like unheard of, really, to happen. Mm. And then he um, uh, booked out a I can't remember what pub it was. Um, he booked it out and just said like he was going to have some leaving drinks, and obviously he he paid for everything. You just think like that's I don't think I've ever heard of someone say that they've had some drinks for a leaving drink. <laughs> you don't have anything because obviously football is people just come and go like all the time. And sometimes you don't even say goodbye to people because it's, it's happened so quickly. So then for that to happen, that we've had leaving drinks with a manager, which all the players really liked. And you, it's kind of like a bit of a strange situation to happen. And I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if that would ever happen again, to be honest. No. But yeah. It was just a bit of a, a bit of a strange time. And unfortunately, it just got sour towards the end, but I generally feel, feel like if, um, especially with the new owners now, I think if, if he was in charge at the time, then I think they'd easy. I think they'd definitely get, get, be getting promoted, mm-hmm. definitely be in a, a better position now. But obviously, new manager in now is is, is going really well. I think he's was he won six, seven out of eight, or six out of eight, six in eight, six in eight, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, he's been. I've I've heard really good things about him as well. So yeah, it's it's looking really positive um, for the club uh, at present going forward, which is yeah, it's really pleasing. Mm. The last uh, two or three seasons. Um, yeah, with, with Mick, there are a couple of a couple of nights that I'll always remember towards the end of Mick. I'll put a picture up of the first one now. I'm sure you remember this one. You're in the you're in the photo there on the left. This is the sort of on pitch huddle that you had after you I think you'd lost at home to Hull and the the crowd were um particularly bad in terms of the relationship with Mick at this point. This must have been a, a funny moment. He kept you out there on the pitch in almost a bit of a show of 
show of togetherness really as 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 a group is that fair to say that that's that's how that felt that you were kind, that he was kind of bringing you together at that point was that yeah no I, I can actually remember that game really well and that was that was horrible to play in that was like really bad I just felt like I think the fans obviously were against Mick but then they kind of then just fell because obviously I know that I think the fans know how how much like the players like Mick as well I think then they started to kind of get on the players backs and then it kind of just got a bit of a bit silly towards the end I think we were, just, we were getting um, booed sometimes in terms of then obviously they were singing when we were having we had a shot yeah it was it was really strange and like I say I think it makes such a difference when the fans are on side and I think that's what obviously the new owners brought um, this season was the, the fans and the, and the club to bring them together as one um, so yeah it, it was really it was like hard it was just a bit Bit, bit of a strange, strange game to play in, but yeah, I think it was just because yeah, he obviously wanted to show that well, you kind of weren't having it, and the player, like first and foremost, I think he always said that if 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 you've got a problem against him, then so be it, but then don't kind of take it out on the players. Mm. Yeah, so it weren't it weren't like I think if we were like in the bottom, if we were in the bottom three, I think you kind of have it have your say but obviously it just ended up getting really sour and I think it's it's mostly the best thing to do is to kind of then just part ways and then just start again mm. what, what about the night he actually left like I think a few weeks earlier he'd, he'd, it was public that he was going to leave and then after the Barnsley game I think you're on the bench for that one um, a couple of days after some not great scenes at Brentford a few days earlier and then after the game he'd he, he walked out did he tell you did he tell you guys that that was happening before he before he did? How did you find out that he'd kind of gone a bit earlier than everyone was expecting? Um, yeah, because uh, obviously I know the Brentford game really well. So, um, I was getting booed myself, and it was just it was a, obviously a horrible game to play in as well. And I think the fans were really on his uh, Elton uh, mixed back. And I think it was the bit after. I think there was fans waiting for him after the game, and like whatever happens, like that's the last thing you want. I think. People realise, um, understand if you if people have their opinions on on, on football and how, how you manage or how you play, and I think players will always take that. If if this if this criticism on how they play, then people are always opinionated and they're welcome to their opinion. But I think when it gets out of hand in terms of like off the pitch and kind of getting harassed and, and and bits and pieces. I think that's when you kind of draw the line of it. And I think he's just, I think he had enough. And I, I, I'm sure 99% of people would, would have been in the, in the same boat and would have, would have agreed with him in terms of his decision with that. Because I think, yeah, no one wants to be dealing with it. So he kind of just mm. about the situation and didn't have a firing line. That's particularly tough for you, though, I guess, because I, I, I think I'm right in saying that had Mick stayed, I think things would have been a bit different with you. I think there was a contract there potentially for you had had Mick stayed. So that must have been um, obviously a worrying time for you, and it, and it ultimately led to you leaving Ipswich. Yeah, um, I think it was um, a few weeks before, because obviously there was it was up in the air in terms of what was happening with Mick and if he was staying or if he was going. Um and Mick did say, because obviously my contract was up, he said, if I'm here next season, then I, I, I want you, I'll be offering you a new contract for another year. 
And obviously, I was re- I was really pleased. Obviously, that's I wanted to stay. I've always said that I wanted to experience something different because at the same time, I think loads of players obviously go on to do different things. So I wanted to completely stay there as long as possibly I possibly could. So I'd obviously been over the moon by staying and obviously he was up in the air and then obviously realising that he was he was leaving then obviously then my situation was up in the air and yeah it was just a bit annoying because obviously I didn't know if I was coming or going and it took a, it took a good few weeks and then before um, Marcus who um, who spoke to me and just said um, I think he just wanted with obviously Mick leaving I think he potentially wanted to keep him but obviously with, with, with the whole situation with the fans I think it just wasn't meant to be um, but I think with Mick leaving, I thought he he felt like it was going to be a clean slate for everything from kind of not top to bottom to a certain extent, but just with the players as well. And I think I think a few players left that summer as well, and not just me. And he just said, "Look, I'm not going to offer you a new deal." He said, "Try something else," and that's like completely fair enough. And um, yeah, so that that was how it was. And yeah, it was obviously a bit heartbreaking really to realise that you. You've been at a club for since I was eleven to then leave and you just think, oh, like kind of slaps you in the face a little bit and obviously shed a couple of tears to think, oh my then the realisation thinking, oh my like I'm not gonna play for Ipswich anymore and then realising like, oh wow, I've got to find myself a new club and then it's, it's a very daunting time for players. Um especially being in a situation I've never been in that situation before, so I didn't really know what to expect and but yeah. It's just it's just it's part and parcel of football, and players come and go, and they always will. Yeah, I, you'd you'd work so hard to get fit again at that point before that before you did leave Ipswich. It must it, it was really just just from the outside to see that South, when you did go to South End, where everybody kind of wished you well and and looked looked in, hoping that you know you know what actually Luke could have stayed at Ipswich, but. He's having a fresh start somewhere else. It it must have been equally as heartbreaking for for injuries to kind of bite you along the way at South End and not really be able to show um, everything that you could do. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's part and parcel of football is you're going to get injuries, and I genuinely believe I think as soon as you get that one big injury in your career it kind of sets you up as well. I think unless you're, and I, I pride myself on being so diligent in terms of the stuff I do, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch in terms of like how I'd prepare myself. And it's just one of those things, I think, because I, I can look at myself in the mirror and think, oh, I literally done everything possibly I could like um, in, with my rehab and bits and pieces. And I think as soon as you get that one big injury, it's just like a snowball effect. And you, then you start getting a couple more injuries and then you get another big injury and then you think, oh, then it's then mentally, then it plays its part on you. It's, it's loads of little things which accumulate to yourself. And it, 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 say it's, it is so tough. And but at the same time, I was so lucky not just to have my friends and family, but to have such good physio, Matt Byardi, which mm-hmm. I had Ben Clarkson at South End two of the nicest blokes you could ever meet. Um, and yeah, they're, they're obviously, they're a credit to the, the clubs that are at. And I'm, sh- I'm sure every single player would would um, speak highly of um, both of them, especially obviously Matt, which um, a lot of players would know about him. But yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. And unfortunately that happened, but what can I do about it now? I mean, I can't, I can't turn back the clock and change one thing. It's just, 
I think it started off when I played in Southampton and I'd done my knee when um, uh, Victor Wanyama fell on it. Like, what, what am I going to do? Go back and not put myself in that situation? Like, it's not meant to be, like, I can't do it. So there's no point of beating myself up about it. It is what it is and you just have to move on from it. Yeah, well, that was your game, wasn't it? Putting putting your foot in and putting yourself in difficult situations. That's what made you the player you were. So take that out of the game, of your game. And um, yeah, yeah. That, you wouldn't yeah. be the same player. Yeah. Exactly, and like I say, I, I think someone asked me when I'd done one of my injuries at the start, I said, are you a bit tentative about going into tackles or whatnot? And I said, no, because that's part of my, that's that's my DNA, that's how, that's how, that's my game. And I think every player will always have that, that one attribute or one skill they have. And I think if you always take it out of them, then that doesn't make them the player they are. So, yeah, no, I, I've always said that, that never really changed me in terms of, how I'd go into tackles, but then obviously towards the end, you, you kind of like loads of players do say you, you you lose a lot of confidence in your body, and that's that's what I did massively, especially mm-hmm. in my last year or so at Southend. You know, I just literally lost all confidence in my body, and I just kind of like I think even if I felt okay to play, I think I I wouldn't even play professionally, and I would have I think I would have just gone straight into playing non-league. I think because I just don't think I would have. If I could have played professionally, I don't think I'd had the the, ment- the mental capacity and the, the confidence in myself to kind of do it week in, week out, training every single day. Whereas obviously non league, you you can have that little bit of a break and yeah and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's not it's, it's unfortunate, but I think it, it always catches up, and I've always had in the back of my mind you as much as you would love to play football forever, it's it's not possible, and I think. I don't know what the average age is. I think people come to their um, retirement at mid, like mid to mid thirties. I'd say if you if you're lucky, I think now as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it is what it is. There's no point in looking back and thinking what if you just got yeah. to the future. Yeah, well, you're clearly in a you're clearly in a good place about it all, and there's a lot to be proud of. Before before we wrap things up, I've just got a little uh, video here. You weren't. You weren't mate, known for your goals, Luke. There's three Ipswich goals. Um, I'm going to flash them up on the screen, and we could. Uh, I was hoping we could maybe watch them. Um, this shows how long ago you started, because your first goal these days, you up, every football match ever is uploaded to YouTube with proper highlights. Your first goal back in uh, back in 2012 that doesn't exist. So I've got some fan some <laughs> fan shot footage from the North Stand at Portman Road. We'll just watch this one. It's a penalty saved and then a Luke Hyam follow-up. Uh, was it DJ Campbell with that penalty? Um, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I'm not sure off the top of my head, actually. What do you remember of that goal, though? Um, yeah, it was like, obviously, being my first goal, like, you kind of just, like, lose yourself and that, you kind of just don't feel like yourself when you score that goal, especially scoring your first goal and then doing it um, for your boyhood club in front of North Stand, like yeah, just incredible, incredible experience. And you kind of yeah, you just feel like it's like an out of body um, moment for myself. Um, but yeah, no, it was no, it was like, unbelievable. In front of the North Stand as well. That's where you wanna. That's where you wanna score, isn't it? If you're gonna if you're gonna score your first goal for Ipswich, that's where you wanna do it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it won't be yeah. We've got, we've got some proper highlights of these next two. I'll let this one run on. This is against uh, Blackburn in, in 2013. Well, can you talk us through this one? Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a poor, poor first touch. I managed to make myself I think, I don't know, 
not me personally, but I've always heard like coaches just kind of put your foot through it. Don't really aim for, for corners, just put your foot through it and not say more often than not, if you if you're aiming for corners, you sometimes don't get it. So and like the amount of times you see um people or players score by hitting it um, towards the keeper's legs it goes through their legs or they can't set themselves they can't get down so they always have to save their feet so yeah like I just kind of just thought I'd hit it and yeah and luckily for me it hit the back of the net Mm. this last one here is the one that I'll I'll remember you for in terms of goal scoring and I'm sure lots of other people will as well you've got the the man of the match trophy there behind you uh, live sky game away at Wigan September 2014 this was a this was a really good Ipswich goal, wasn't it? Yeah, no, obviously remember it really, really well. Obviously being on TV as well. Um, no, it was good. I think I thought we played really, really well that night. And uh, it was one, I think I had a couple of games where I, I got dropped for a couple of games and Nick Morton brought me back in. So to play well and to score was like, say, it's just moments. Say, if you have a good game, then it kind of thing, it's like a domino effect and it gets you into some sort of form going forward. So, yeah, it was a a big game uh, for me personally that season. Mm. That attacking movement, Luke, that striker stuff, isn't it? Peeling off the shoulder of the defender there and finding finding space to put a a Tyrone Mings cross away first time. That's, uh, you were wasted as a a central midfielder. I used to do it all all the time in training, but obviously I wouldn't wouldn't find myself uh, in those sort of positions that often. I have found one other goal of of yours on YouTube, though. Do you remember this one? I do remember this one. This, was it Walsham? Walsham, yeah. yeah. Outside the box, ping, bang. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Oh. I can't believe I even shot actually. To be honest, like <laughs> I'm pick it up and just think, oh, I'll just pass to someone else. So, yeah. What was that like? A senior Suffolk Senior Cup game or something? I think so. Yeah, I must. I must have been what seventeen, I reckon, at the time. I can't. Remember. We must have. I, I, we must have been like six 0 because otherwise I wouldn't be shooting. <laughs> One or two then up or drawing. So yeah, it, might, it would have been Suffolk Senior Cup, I assume. Look, we've, I've taken an hour of your time. I felt I've just rushed through a few really kind of quick questions just to finish up before we uh, before we let you go. Um, who would you say the best player was that you played with at Ipswich? Um, I think yeah, David McGoldrick. I think yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think the stuff he used to do in training was yeah, was unbelievable. Mm. What about the most underrated? Who did the who did the fans and, may, and maybe people like me not appreciate as much as uh, uh, apart def- from yourself, obviously? But who <laughs> who, who, uh, who 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 was not appreciated as much uh, as they should have been? Definitely Scusi. I think every player says that when they've trained with him, you don't, don't realise actually how good he was. I think he he could have. I think could have actually been even better. I think sometimes he played within himself and could have even taken that step up to the Premier League because he had everything. But he was just very assured with himself in terms of everything. And yeah, people don't realise how actually. I think you. I think obviously fans knew how he was very good. Obviously they saw him how however many times, but. Maybe didn't appreciate him enough and realise how good he was. Yeah. Well, who was the most intelligent in the in the Ipswich dressing rooms over all the years that you were there? Um, there must be someone. Uh, maybe I'd say Tommy Smith. I reckon just off the top of my head, but I reckon there might have been someone else. I can't think. But yeah, no, he's he's obviously. Yeah. What about um? What about not not so clever? 
Who was the uh... Uh, Alex Henschel? I'm yeah, with him as well. And yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a funny character, but yeah, yeah. he's he's a bit he's a bit what? funny. <laughs> where's the where's the best place to go out for dinner in Ipswich? I used to me and Mrs. used to love to go to Aqua Eight. That was our yeah. place to go for food, but unfortunately it's closed down now. Which there's something don't... else. I, th- I think the thing that's there now, I don't I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, like, is, is it any good? I've not been. Uh, yeah, it's all right to be fair. Yeah, it's all right. Um but yeah, we just loved um Aqua Eight. But yeah, no, yeah. that was the place we used to love going to. Yeah. Um who's the funniest teammate that you've had at Ipswich? Um, I think it's it's got to be Jimmy Bullard. I reckon just yeah, he was a bit crap as well, wasn't he? <laughs> he sure was. <laughs> Good answer. What about the most kind of bizarre teammate? Is there a teammate that you kind of occasionally think of and just go, oh yeah, I played with him. Like last, I'm thinking Larson Torre, Bill Elmogny. Um, like, yeah, um, you, you 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 played with some characters. Yeah, there was uh, Moritz Volts just off the top of my head. Like there was a bit of a. He's a bit of a strange character. I think just a bit like, yeah, just a bit random. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's a Ger- German right back, wasn't he? It was was he yeah. on loan from on loan from Fulham? I think yeah. he always cycling everywhere. I, would you, he'd be in the in maybe pop him in the uh, most intelligent player bracket as yeah, well? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Jonas was a bit like that. He used to bike into uh, football as well, which was especially being quite recent, especially now. Like, yeah, that was a bit. He was a bit. Yeah. Heavy. Call him Mad Dog, so yeah, he was a bit, he was a bit, um, like mad and crackers as well. Yeah, he used to cycle past my house on the way to training quite a lot. I used to see Jonas quite a lot. Um, what's the uh, what's the best ground that you've that you played at apart apart from Portman Road? Uh, I used to love playing at Fratton Park. That's my favourite place to go. I played there a few times. Yeah, absolutely, it was really good. And I, you always feel like I feel like every time I played there, I've done I've done all right. So yeah, I'd say Fratton Park. Yeah, and what about um? What about the best Ipswich kit that you wore, home home or away? Is there one one kit that's particularly? I reckon it was the last one, the last season I played. I quite like that kit, literally just behind me. So I'm just look a bit. Um, so yeah, I'd go with that one. I reckon. Yeah. Are you a kit a kit man? Have you got a load of your old? Is it mostly your ones on there? Your yeah, they're just all my ones, really. Um, yeah, I don't have any like retro ones or anything like that. Obviously, Fair enough. you have like the retro kits and. Like with the Green King sponsors and stuff on it. Mm. Yeah, obviously, they're, they're, they're nice. Obviously, you've got a couple in the background, and yeah, yeah, I've got yeah, um, mate, I've got I've got far too many. That's oh. um, the one on the left is a in the frames on the wall is a John McGreal. It's John McGreal shirt. I caught that in the crowd when I was uh, very young at Derby. He threw it in the crowd, and I caught that. And then um, the one on the right is signed by a lot of the players who won promotion in two thousand. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're they're two uh, two quite special ones. Um, just last, just lastly, what what is your proudest moment as an Ipswich Town player? What, what's the day that you look back on? Obviously, you're proud of everything that you did, but if there was one thing that you you would feel the most proud of, um, there's a, there's a bit a few. I say just making my debut at Middlesbrough away, like kind of goals in terms. Of I set um, actually captain decide it. Portsmouth, funny enough, as well in the FA Cup. So that's one thing I always wanted to do, and then to play in uh, at Origins with Derby, um, which I've done as well. So, and then obviously the only other thing would have been to get promoted, but to do all the other things, yeah, like they're the, kind of the proudest things. I look back and think, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I've done them. 
Mm, well, the Ipswich chapter may be cr- closed for you now, Luke, but you're starting um, starting a new one as a manager. Um, thank you for joining us to talk about talk about Woodbridge and everything else. And um, I'm sure everybody with a kind of an Ipswich perspective will be keeping an eye on um, on how you you get on. And I'm I'm sure uh, I'm sure a few Ipswich fans will make their way down to to watch uh, watch the Woodpeckers over <laughs> over the next year or so. So um, thank you very much, Luke Hyam. Thanks, Andy. Top man. Head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archer.